welcome to the Generosity Now podcast, where we bring you inspiring stories of generosity and whole life stewardship. Our goal is to showcase individuals and organizations making a positive impact in our communities and across the globe. I'm your host, Eric Mose, president of the National Christian Foundation for the Rocky Mountain Region, and I'm joined by my incredible co-host, Lori Bosser, VP in our office. Well, Lori, uh, we're going to get ready to jump in and hear the the episode I, I recorded with Steve Verlay. He's with the Colson Center uh, Fellows Program specifically. Uh, met him four or five years ago, actually, when I first got here to, to NCF and into Colorado. And so, unfortunately, uh, again, with some time constraints, he didn't get to give a, a full overview of what the Colson Center is, what the Fellows Program is. And so, um, they're, they're based here in Colorado Springs, though. They actually office out of focus on the family. And so, uh, Lori, give us a little, what's your understanding of the work that the Colson Center um, does, and what do they seek to do? So, Eric, thanks. Colson Center, you know, was started by Chuck Colson, and Chuck became a Christian just as he was entering prison um, from his history of, in politics here in the U.S. But Chuck was has been so inspiring for so many years. Chuck said Christianity is more than a relationship with Jesus. It's more than discipleship. It's a way of seeing and comprehending all reality. So the Colson Center is really about spiritual formation and worldview and mixing all of that together and transforming individuals to be able to not try to live separate lives of our faith being different than how we work and what we see as the world, but us being a whole person with all of our spiritual formation in everything that we do and not separating spirituality out from anything else. So... The Colson Center actually does training for individuals. They have classes. They have podcasts. They're really talking about trying to change our culture here in the U.S. to that we can go back to our roots of being a culture that was created on God's word. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Um, thanks for calling out the podcast they do. You know, I've I've been a, a frequent listener of the Breakpoint podcast that um, that John Stone Street, who's the the president of the Colson Center, uh, leads, and then. Um, on every Friday, uh, another favorite podcast that I, that I have, I listen to almost every single day. is called "The World and Everything in It." And on Friday, they do a whole section on Culture Fridays, and it's in, and it's usually a conversation with John Stone Street as well. And so, those would be two great um, additional podcasts. If you're not already listened to them, I'd love to encourage you to to go and start listening to both of those. And so, let's go ahead and and, and listen to in what Steve had to talk about. Good afternoon. I'm uh, Eric Most with the Generosity Now podcast. Uh, we seek to inspire, equip, and connect our listeners for kingdom impact and whole life stewardship. And coming to you today from, uh, sorry for the background noise, but coming to you today from the, the C12 current conference as we're meeting lots of friends and connecting. And we're doing some many quick interviews with, with different guests um, and hearing about what God's doing in and through their business and their ministry and, and, and different types of impact. And I ran into an old friend of mine, Steve Verlay, Verlay, Steve Verlay, um, with the Colson Center. And we were talking about the, the fellows program, and he was just telling me some, some, some data about it and how it's grown. And I was like, hold on, wait, time out. We got, we got to go find a quieter place here at the, the Gaylor Rockies and uh, have a quick conversation. I just wanted you all to hear about uh, the growth of the fellows program, a little bit more about it if you're not familiar with it. And, uh, and so, Steve, hey, thanks for taking the time, finding a quiet place for us to talk. Absolutely. 
And Steve, you, uh, you live in? Austin, Texas. All right. You're newly moved there, though? Yeah, about five years. Okay, fantastic. And you've been with the Colson Center for how long? Eight years. From eight years. We first met, uh, actually, at an event in uh, McGraw, out of McGraw, Chicago, Illinois, actually, I should say, yep. um, uh, doing a skeet shoot. And I got to hear the, uh, the work of the Colson Center and um, the Fellows Program. I was super impressed then. And to hear the growth is so much. So first off, what's your role over at Colson Center? And then give us an overview of, first off, what is the Fellows Program? Okay. What do you seek to do? And uh, what's, what's that looking like today? Okay. So yeah, I'm the Chief Operating Officer at the Colson Center. Uh, the Colson Fellows Program uh, was originally named the Centurions Program. It was a program that Chuck Colson started in 2004. And his desire was to find people in all walks of life, you know, lawyers, doctors, teachers, uh, business leaders and basically impart in them kind of uh, how to think biblically about uh, current culture. So it's really a biblical worldview is the fancy word, but that's what Chuck was trying to impart. Um, and uh, so we're now in year 18, and uh, we re renamed it the Colson Fellows Program. Uh, Chuck passed away in 2012, and then we uh, relaunched and kind of reimagined the program in 2016 and have carried on since then. But really the whole mission of that is really Chuck's original vision of uh, just training people in all walks of life to have, have really apply a biblical worldview to all that they do as parents, as business leaders, as uh, church members, whatever. So that's, that's, so good. that's the goal. That's so good. It's so important. You know, I was actually just meeting um, a friend of mine who was telling me that he was a, a Centurion fellow at the time. And so uh, one of the early days. But let me tell you some of the, the greatest um, applied thinkers, I think, that how they're able to apply the gospel to the work that they're yep. doing have gone through the Fellows Program. And yep. so thank you for that. When when we first met, it was probably about 2018, maybe 2019. Yep. And uh, uh, the program had seen two or 300 graduates. Like, yep. how, how are things today? Yeah, it's, it's really blown up. Uh, one of the key decisions is God's providence in 2019. Uh, the program used to run purely remotely where people would study on their own and they would come together for residency weekends. They would come like Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, and they would spend time together and then go back home. And we, um, we started seeing more and more people as we got critical mass. They said, hey, I want to start a program in my city and do it locally and actually meet with my students, you know, uh, once a month for half a day. And we learned that the, the learning outcomes of that was so much more effective. And it just made more sense to just really uh, bless the very cities around the country. So uh, we had 25 cities maybe in 2019. Now we have 65 cities that offer the program so people can attend locally. We still have online cohorts. Okay. And then a new thing, we uh, two years ago, we piloted the idea of actually licensing the program to churches so they could run the program in their church for their members. And that was really successful. So last year, uh, the, the year that's just finishing, uh, in May here is uh, we have 25 churches. We already have 71 churches signed up uh, for next year. Um, we have 1,300 students signed up uh, this year. Wow. And uh, they're all, they're all going to be commissioned over the next couple of weeks as that thing. So now we have 3,500 alumni around the, around the world. And uh, so it's really, just, it's really just grown organically. And, it's, uh, it, it, and, and again, every walk of life, uh, oh. you know, people from all different uh, vocations. That's great. That's great. So how long is the, the Fellows Program? Yeah. It's a one-year program, kind of an okay. academic year. So we kick off in the August time frame yeah. uh, with readings and then uh, basically monthly meetings kick off in September and it runs through May. Uh, and then the commissioning is, is done uh, at the end of May. Part of that is, by the way, uh, they have to do a preaching, uh, a preaching or it's really a teaching assignment where okay. part of the goal is turn it around and teach. Chuck yes. always said you can't learn it unless you teach it. 
So, so true. that's one of the requirements. The other requirement is he very much believed in application, which yeah. is your word there, is that they have to write a personal mission plan. So Love they it. have to kind of do a three-year plan saying, okay, based upon how, what God is, and we do things like Strength Finders from Gallup yeah. uh, to really help people understand their spiritual gifts and a lot of prayer and, and preparation around what is God calling you to do with this information. Uh, and it could be they just go back to the company they, they were working at and they, and they, they work in a, or lead in a different yep. way. Some people choose to go off and do something completely different uh, mm-hmm. as, as a result of, of the kind of the inspiration, if you yeah. will, from the program. So uh, that's the fun part is just to see the fruit uh, by virtue of the fact that people are just scattered all over the place doing all kinds of stuff. We, we tend to, we're starting to see a lot of people pop up in the education field, which okay. is exciting because we think, um, you know, the K through 12 education in particular uh, is a point where uh, it, there's a dire need right now, and yes. Christian, Christianity has a lot to offer. Um, it always has, really. Education yes. has been a hallmark of wherever Christianity goes, yep. education goes yeah, uh, hand in hand. Huh. So good, so good. All right, so um, uh, what if somebody's like, holy, I never knew about this, or I've heard about it. Like, how do I get involved? Like, where, where should people go to get more information? Yeah, the easiest thing to do is just you know, colsonfellows.org okay. is the key website. It's part of the Colson Center, but yep. the Colson Fellows has, a, has its own website, has all kinds of information, a lot of uh, videos of people that have been through the program, some testimonials, a lot of information about, you know, expectations, what's, what's it going to look like, how long is it going to take, yep. and, you know, what books do you read, and, and what's, the, what's the format, and then you can just click a, click a button there and get more information okay. or apply and then you know everything's automated so that's 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 the process that the Perfect. way the process works so and uh, you just said like we kind of close this application process we're getting ready to kick off in august so when's the next cycle going to open up yeah, for people so it, that want to get joined thank you uh we started recruiting in february for the new class okay uh that that's recruiting season ends june yep. 30th okay. so it's now early may so okay. people still have two more months to go okay uh ironically procrastination is is part of uh, genesis 3 yeah i think uh, and sin entered the world and yes. procrastination is part of that so people tend to wait a long okay. time so actually most of our applications come in in may and june so this is really high season okay right now for recruiting and uh you know we love to have people you know, take a look uh and actually we're here at a c12 conference as you mentioned and yep. we have a ton of people from c12 that are have been through the program or in the program this year or signed up for next year so we're really excited about the marketplace opportunity with colson fellows and uh, you know there's 1300 ceos here yes ceos so this is a target rich environment absolutely for us as well. absolutely well hey steve thank you so much for the time really encouraged and hey let's come back and do a longer conversation about this sure. later um and hear how things are going and kind of lay out maybe some of the different topics you guys go through and things like that but yeah. really appreciate your time today all right wonderful eric thanks well well, Lori, that was a, a great overview of the impact that the Colson Fellows Program has been have uh, has had and is having. Um, it seems like uh, their next their next uh, group of fellows is closing down. You can still go to their website if, based off of when you listen to this, and they might have this one still open if you're intrigued and want to participate, or go ahead and plan to to do it again in the in the, the next year. Get involved with that. I love the fact that they are starting to bring and they see the benefit of bringing those fellows programs to to cities and to churches specifically and not just doing it on a national basis and how that's had a better outcome by doing things within community. I love that. I love and just being able to partner with churches and have churches be able to be the convener of people there to bring them together. It's going to strengthen that depth of the community within those churches. 25 churches just this past year. That's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. 
love to see the the multiplication effect of the of the ministry and and that's that's so beautiful you know one thing that i really appreciated steve saying is is that that they work to get that they they get believers from all walks of life and they long to impart in them how to think biblically about their our current culture and, and helping train them to apply a biblical worldview to all that they do. And that is so vitally important that we, we, um, that we apply a biblical worldview to all that we do, both work and, and even how we, we do leisure and how we uh, consume media. Those all need to be informed with a biblical worldview. And this fellows program, Eric, is not something that you have to do full-time. It is definitely... Um, designed to be something to go along with your full-time job, to go along with other parts of your life. You're going to read books. You're going to hear from lots of different people. You'll do some webinars and do some different things each month. So it's definitely something that all of us have an opportunity that we could join. That's so true. I've I've met um, multiple fellows. We um, past fellows or graduates. Um, we will have some of them on the Generosity Now podcast. And if you're intrigued, go ahead. Uh, Steve gave us some information on where to go. Show notes. Uh, we're going to have uh, links to the different podcasts I mentioned: the Breakpoint, the World, and Everything in It, and then also to the the Colson Center, um, where you can get information on the fellows program. So what a what a great um, thing to hear about, and we hope that you uh, will will take some action from what you've heard in these different uh, mini series that we've done with the C12 Current Conference. Well, Lori, we're going to get ready to listen to an interview I did with Luke Roush and with Sovereign's Capital. And uh, forgive me, uh, listening audience, um, Luke and I were just chopping it up before uh, we were planning to hit uh, to hit record, and we were getting into this great conversation as it related to um, the work that Sovereign's Capital was doing with, to invest in their own people about inspiring generosity and helping and stewardship and things like that, and and that then like led into a conversation about um, our kids and and junior jogs and and things like that, and 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 it was so good. I went ahead and hit record as we were going and because it was such a rich time. And so forgive me for like, it's a little dis- disjointed. And then we transition into uh, the, a deeper conversation about what Sovereign's Capital does. And so um, it, it's a little bit loud, a little bit echoey there. Again, we're, we were coming from the C12 current conference. and uh, But, I, but I, I think it was such a valuable time. And so let's go ahead and take a listen. So I, I, I also uh, did my first junior jog in February. And um, because I have a lot of families with young kids, I have a 10 and seven year old. And it's also like, why aren't we having these conversations in our families too and helping catalyze our, uh, a view of generosity that's throughout our generation and then also to other generations. And so we created like a hybrid jog. We use some nor- normal generous giving jog videos and we use some of the Brad Forsma, I, like, I love giving stuff, uh-huh. uh, which is really geared towards kids. And we kind of married the two and we made it experiential. And so we actually took the kids and the families and on Saturday morning, um, we actually, we didn't tell them this, but we then sent them out to go be generous in the community for like three hours or set a plan to be generous. Mm. And so it, without prescription on it, right? So they went out and some were like, okay, we went to Walmart and we bought, you know, blankets and socks to be able to give and make these homeless baskets to keep in our car that when we saw somebody, we could give them to them. And, and others was like, oh, we know this nonprofit. And so we went and we did this for them. And um, our, we were out of towners. And so, but we knew a big snow was coming. And so my boys were like, hey, we could go and, and, and shovel the snow of these Dude, two neighbors it. and we're going to do some cookies. And that's what they did. Yeah, and so, generosity and, so and, and yeah. man, let me tell you, the kids involved, it was like 10 and up was kind of the general gambit of the of the kids. They were I was wondering, like, how engaged are they going to be? 
super engaged. And like having conversations about generosity that were so meaningful and like paradigm shifting. If I had had these kind of conversations as a, as a seven or 10 or 15 year old, like there's a lot of mistakes that happened in life that I would, I look back at this, I say mistakes, you know, it's like there's places where I could have been a better steward. Now God's using that and redeeming that today, but it's like, man, I wish, I wish I had had these conversations with my family when I was 10 years old. Yeah. You know, we, we, we open up our giving um, our giving plan with our kids. And we don't tell them the dollar amounts, but we like help try to connect the dots. Like we give to our local church because they don't ever see us write checks, right? Because we do all of our giving through our DAF, right? And so like, but we give to our local church. I want them to know that. And you know that family that was here from, from, from India that stayed at our house? They're like, yeah, like we support him and his ministry, you know? And, awesome. and, and we're like, and, and this, this publishing- well, the application step, right? It's the application. So, it's like so we're trying to teach them that. And then we also catalyze, uh, we, we, want, we want to show generosity to them. And so we, we do a whole business meeting for my kids uh, every month. And we break down their base pay and their commission opportunities. <laughs> and, um, and they have a... They have is a, making your bed, is that a base pay item? Or it's, is that that's a, base. Uh, and that's a, that's a required, that's a required um, a daily responsibility. And so if they miss some of those daily responsibilities, they don't get base pay. Um, but what we don't want, like, we don't want people just to think that they get this, this crazy number, right? It's yeah. like, and it, and it, it is, me of, have you ever seen Goodwill Hunting? Oh yeah. You remember when, uh, remember when Matt Damon sends, uh, sends, uh, his partner in? Yes. Guys, ben, uh, yeah. I need, I need yeah. retainer. Retainer. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 As so long good. as your kids aren't actually like throwing the retainer, no. the Ben Affleck retainer no. line at you. Oh man. But it, we, um, you know, when we help break their money up into save, invest, um, give, and spend, mm-hmm. and um, and we tell our kids anything you give, mom and daddy will always match. And to see our boys' generosity, it is, it, I mean, it inspires me. Yeah. Like, man, we did VBS last summer, and during VBS, our church also was raising up funds for Cure Hospitals um, oh, in yeah. Africa. Love Cure, Cure. International, yeah. right? Yep, yeah, Cure International. Love them. Love the work they're doing. They're doing a lot of club foot, cleft palate stuff. Right? Yes, they do. Okay. And yeah. my oldest had bilateral cleft lip and palate oh, wow. uh, adopted from China, and so like huge heart there for that. Oh, that's awesome. And um, and so um, so we asked the boys like, hey, you've been they've been asking you to pray and consider like how much you're going to give. And my seven year old, so we say, you know, how much you're going to give? And my seven year old said. Uh, I want to give him thirty-two dollars out of my out of my give bucket. What was that? That's a specific number. It's a specific number, but it's a it's a big number. That's I a was, big nut. Yeah. I was tempted to say, uh, ah, yeah. you know, but then I'm like, hold on, wait, let's not squash this at all. Yeah. I said, buddy, Lean that in. is super generous. Hey, and don't forget, mommy and daddy, we promise to always match your charitable giving. And so he went in with sixty-four dollars. Like, doubling my money. Sixty-four dollars, like. I was, I mean, floored, and I praise God for that. And like, that's teaching me, yeah. right, to to have have greater faith and dependence. Right? Like, my kids. You don't want to. You don't want to try to outgive your kids. No, I'm, I have to be careful. I have to save <laughs> up to be able to give. You know, but uh, it's really beautiful. So I'm so glad you're doing that with your with with the team there at Sovereign. Yeah. So. Well, I tell you, the whole idea of like working with families intergenerationally is an interesting idea, and we've. Uh, Started working work with Ron Blue on yeah. um, just what is our giving strategy and what is how do we define and structure that as a family, and it's pushed me to just kind of think through how do we include our 19, 17, 15 year old, yep. or uh, 19, 17, 14 year old, and kind of what we're doing and uh, how do they feel attached to that? How do they get to celebrate that? Yes. How do they feel encouraged and excited about that? 
and, and, and maybe even challenged by that. So. And how can they help inform some of the work that you're doing, yeah, right? Exactly. As a guide and a and kind of like the paradigm of like yep. what is the square of like of, of discipleship? Like watch me, you know. Then uh, watch me as I teach, right? And then and then and then um, and then you help me teach, and then you teach, I watch, and then we're going to launch you, right? Yeah. Like to, to go and to do. Yeah, what's well, the old adage? Because I can't remember four things. I can only remember three. But watch one, do one, teach one. Yes. Watch one, do one, teach one. So good. All right, so we we are like we jumped into this hard. So I'm talking with Luke Roush, uh, your co-founder, founder of Sovereigns Capital. I'm co-founder with Henry. With uh, Henry, Henry. Uh, not Capital. everybody knows Henry, so Henry. Uh, yeah, so co-founder of Sovereigns Capital with Henry Kastner, and then along the way we uh, launched Faith Driven Entrepreneur, Faith Driven Investor. Yes. Uh, and so yeah, it's great, and I still lead Sovereigns, so that's kind of my okay. uh, main job. And uh, John Coleman and I yeah. co lead the firm. Okay, so um, again, we're coming to you from uh, the C12 Current Conference in, uh, in, in Denver, Colorado in 2023. And sorry for the background noise, but uh, Luke and I have been in the hall hitting each other a little bit, and we're like, hey, let's just sit down and take just a couple minutes. And um, you all have heard me talk about the impact of faith-driven entrepreneur, faith-driven investor so often. Um, love the work that you're doing. Thank you for your faithfulness, yeah. and I think the voice that you have in the marketplace. I'm a big fan. I listen to podcasts all the time and share it heavily. Um, this podcast, the Generosity Now podcast, hopes to be even like a bridge and connecting people to different awesome. things. And so um, I've had a, a huge heart for the work that Sovereigns is doing. So would you give an overview of what Sovereigns is focused on? Yeah, totally. And uh, for, for listeners who may or may not have any clue, and uh, you do a lot of like uh, impact investing. So if you could even tease that out a little bit, yeah, just sure. to help people know, like what what is, what do we mean? What do you mean? There's lots of definitions yeah. around impact investing. Totally. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so going back to the beginning, Sovereigns is really born out of this idea that capital has influence. Yeah. And uh, if you believe that capital has influence and you believe that cultural formation is happening uh, more so in the marketplace than probably anywhere else today, so uh, it's so. products and services that shape the way we communicate, the way we play, you know, even the way we think. And so businesses are building those products and services. Businesses are the ones that are primarily employing people in our communities. And so huge opportunity as we shepherd capital mm. to be able to affect culture that we are living in yes. and, and ultimately what human flourishing looks like. And so, you know, our view is that um, uh, that there's an opportunity in every investment to be able to reflect our values. Yes. Uh, what that looks like uh, is ultimately a matter of what the Holy Spirit puts on different people's parts. And so uh, the forms that faith-driven investing can take are pretty varied. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the three big broad brush buckets are, I want to negatively screen things out of my portfolio. So I want to yep. avoid certain things. Other people are like, no, nah, I'm not as focused on that. I really want to focus on like, what do I want to positively target? Yep. Where is there human flourishing that's occurring in society? And how do I back up the truck and, and put my capital in those things? And there's other people who say, I'm going to own, own everything, yep. but I'm going to actively engage with the leadership of companies. I'm going to take my proxy vote that I have by virtue of being a shareholder, yeah. and I'm going to have my voice be heard. I'm not just going to abdicate yeah. and let you know somebody on Wall Street reflect uh, my values and the way they use my proxy vote. Yeah, so a yeah. whole bunch of different forms that it can take, and um, yeah. That's that's super helpful. So that's, that's uh, a good overview of impact investing. That's a really interesting conversation that I don't think many people are talking about in even the in the faith-driven investing world is the proxy vote kind of piece. Mm. Like, I think that's something that's a miss yeah. that, that we're not leveraging. And, and maybe, I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you guys have created some stuff to help yeah, people yeah. think, okay, yeah. uh, how would somebody find out about that? Like, I, so, I, I, I think that's a huge miss. It's a miss on my part. Yeah. I, I got to be honest. I get a lot of votes 
I don't even look at them. Well, like, a, lot of, a lot of the, so it's hard. As yeah. an individual, it's very difficult to stay okay. on top of that stuff. Yeah. So I don't think you should feel bad about the, okay. the fact that you're not able to actively engage on it. Um, our view is that uh, uh, there's an opportunity um, uh, to engage with different managers who are saying, look, as we, we're going to help you vote okay. all your proxies. Okay. So there's like hundreds of proxy votes you have to do every year. Yep. Uh, and there's an opportunity for those folks to say, hey, you tell us what's important to you. Okay. What are the issues that you want to you know, weigh in on? Hey. A lot of times it's, you know, motherhood and apple pie yeah. on proxy votes. So yeah. there's not really a decision to be made. Yep. Uh, but oftentimes through uh, carefully placed questions and or the way you vote on proxies, you can influence policy. Okay. And I think that as believers, we have generally not showed up to that discussion. Okay. So the best example that I can think of today yeah. is the access portfolios that Ronald Blue Trust yep. has. Um, those are broadly accessible. You yep. know, a lot of what we do at Sovereigns yep. is really confined to high net worth individuals. Yep. Uh, what God has put on our hearts is to try to move the product yes. forward so that in every asset class for every level of investor, yep. there are options to reflect their values. Okay. But anyways, the people who are furthest down the road are... Um, Ronald Blue Trust, they've built okay. access portfolios, and those access portfolios are really focused on building ETFs, yep. and then they have different managers who manage those ETF portfolios. Jerry Bowyer is one. Okay. Tim McCready is another. Oh, Tim's awesome. Yeah. I love so Tim. Tim is okay. actually uh, an advocate okay. voting on issues of hu human flourishing okay. for one of the different access portfolio okay. represented shares. Okay, uh, Henry introduced me to Tim when Tim moved okay. to Denver from yeah. Australia, and we're going to have Tim on the on the podcast at some time. And so, Tim's extraordinary. So Tim's let's just the, you know, Tim's the first investor at an institutional level okay. that invested in sovereigns. Okay, that's Back so cool. When he was you know chief investment. Officer I didn't know that. Christian Super, yeah, so cool. He's a really close friend. Oh, Unbelievable guy. Love it. All right, so give our give some folks uh, overview yeah. of Sovereigns Capital. You guys are on your mega fund now too, and so yeah. like so. Tell us a little bit of journey. It's been a journey. It's been yep. a journey. So, you know, if you look at uh, faith-driven investing, where it started, yep. a lot of the early work was done in early-stage technology-driven companies. So yep. think kind of venture capital, which yep. would be high binary risk, early yep. bets. If the companies make it, they can really transform culture, but a lot of them don't make yep. it. So you got to be comfortable with that kind of a, a binary risk yep. on any individual company that you invest in. Um, that was really where we started with Fund 1 in 2012. Yep in Fund 2 in 2016, yeah. it wasn't until Fund 3 where we started to pick our heads up and say, hey, all right, outside of early stage technology-driven companies, yeah. what are the other opportunities to reflect our faith as we think about different asset classes? And that was really when we started to think about the lower middle market sector. Okay. And when I say lower middle market, really what I'm referring to is family-owned businesses yep. that are going through some form of generational transition. Yeah. And so it's a lot of companies like the ones that are here at C12. Yep. And so we've got a great relationship with Mike and with the team and, yeah. and what C12 is doing, not just here in the U.S., but globally. Yeah. I mean, it's a great breeding ground for uh, business leaders who are thinking about stewardship beyond their yep. own ownership. Yeah. They care what happens to their company when they're no longer at the yeah. home. And so in those kind of situations, we're a great, we're an interesting partner. And so anyways, we extended out of early stage venture, started to do more in lower middle market, private equity, and then that's led into a fund of funds okay. yep. uh, where we're able to invest in other general partners. Yep. We don't want faith-driven investing to kind of have all roads lead back to sovereigns. Yes. We want to see other general partners who are motivated by their Christian faith, wanting to reflect that Christian faith in the way they engage with portfolio companies. We want to be able to be a limited partner in their funds yep. so that we can then encourage them in the direction that God's called yeah. them. So we started that about three years ago. And then about two years ago, uh, we got into the public equity business. Okay. So we boiled the ocean to amazing leaders, Matt Monson, Justin Spear, yep. uh, who are focused on um, 
basically figuring out publicly traded companies that are led by a committed Christ follower who's looking to reflect his or her faith the way they lead the company. Uh, we've built an index that we call the Omega Fund okay. of uh, 48 uh, companies yes. that are kind of the best uh, that we can identify in sort of the faith-driven uh, world. And then we've got a real estate uh, fund as well that's okay. focused on multifamily housing, okay. trying to create community, particularly in Class B, yep. you know, Class C plus yeah, apartment yeah. complexes where there's a great opportunity to love people Huge. where they live. Yeah. You guys put uh, apartment life in those? We do. Uh, yeah, I apartment love apartment life. life. Yeah, okay. That's great. And there's, you know, there's a whole bunch of different uh, plays that you can run. So yeah. one of the things that's just the benefit of being at it for 10 years and being able to just have uh, some of the resources that we have access to is we've been able to build like a playbook. Yeah. For every asset class, there's a series of plays that you might run. You're probably not going to run all the plays right. every day. Yeah. Uh, but picking the right ones to, ru- to run in sequence yeah. over time is part of the value we think we can bring as, as oh. a partner. So, so great. So great. Um, all right, I, I, I promised to take seven minutes, and we're at double that. But we started we started recording early because the yeah. conversation was so good. We were um, over seven or eight minutes before. We hey, if somebody on. wants to know more about Sovereign's Capital, like what's the yeah. and, and FDE, FDI, you know, what what's the best way for people to get to know these different things? Yeah, so the, you know, the team at FDE and FDI do an extraordinary job. Justin Foreman is the executive director over there. Henry Kaysner spends the majority of his time really focused on FDE, FDI. I would say a joint group. There's okay. a foundations group for faith-driven entrepreneurs. Yep. There's a foundations group for faith-driven investors. Yep. I would say get hooked up with a group, yep. uh, whether it's virtual, whether it's in person in your city. Yep. And that'll give that'll be a great on-ramp yeah. into more content and more community. Yep. Um, I think on the sovereign side, uh, it kind of depends on the type of investor you are. So we've yep. got some products that are going to launch later this year okay. that are going to be great regardless of your asset okay. level. Yep. Um, if you're uh, a high net worth individual yep. or what's called a qualified purchaser, yep. then we've got uh, some fun stuff that we're doing in the marketplace. But yep. we always approach those relationships yeah, yeah. not as like a fundraising thing, yeah, but yeah. more of like, how do we encourage you to be faithful to what God's yep. put in your charge? If God owns it all, not yep. just my tithe, but also my treasure, yep. then what I do with my treasure matters, but yep. it looks different for different people. So they're always ha- happy to happy to receive emails. That's great. Okay. And so, and also you can invest your both private capital and your and your charitable capital That's as right. well yeah. in the sovereigns, right? Yeah. I mean, a plurality of our capital comes yeah. from supported organizations, donor advised funds, Christian foundations. So yeah. uh, there's great opportunities that the U.S. tax code affords yep. us to be able to put not just for-profit capital work, but also nonprofit capital. Uh, and then as we generate returns, the returns go back into your yep. donor advised fund yep. and it just expands your ability to, to invest to or to give That's and right. different things like that. That's so good. Well, hey, thank you so much for your time, Luke. Really Dude, do appreciate awesome. it. This is just a, a start. We're going to do it in a little bit quieter setting next time, dig in a little bit more, but but thank you so much. Really appreciate your time, oh, brother. Man. My pleasure, brother. All appreciate right. You. So that's what happens when you have a truly unscripted conversation with Eric Most. We can go all over the place. And so sorry for that, but I I thought it was such a great time. Uh, Lori, what stood out to you in the conversation? Well, Luke really just taught me the history of what Sovereign's Capital is. He started with explaining to us how they started in venture capital 10 years ago, and then they grew through seeing other opportunities where they could help family-owned businesses, and they entered that middle market, um, middle income market. And then they entered public equity recently. And you could see the progress of how they've grown and they've added different people because they see different avenues where they can really help. And the other amazing part that Sovereign's Capital helps with is you can take your charitable capital, money sitting in a donor advised fund and invest it in businesses to be able to have it grow long-term so it doesn't have to always just be given away immediately. There are opportunities to invest 
charities, businesses for those great social purposes. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, uh, n- not not to use this specifically as a plug, but you brought it up, and it made me thought that NCF just recently launched um, multiple faith-driven investment pooled options for our funds. And so um, for the for the balance that sits in your fund, you're able to invest that in, in different different programs. We have like 11 different investment um, bucket options that are just kind of pooled funds that are available. And I love the fact that we now have the faith-driven investment pooled options. Not that we want you to not send it out to charities because the impact is great, but there's reasons why people will choose both sides of investing and also granting out. Yeah, and while we invest, let us invest in kingdom impactful organizations as well. Yeah, a couple things that um, stood out to me was uh, the things that Luke said was, um, and such a good and helpful reminder, he says that capital has influence and that we want to shepherd capital in a way that we are also stewarding that influence. And so, you know, for me, a key takeaway, and literally I had a conversation with, um, Jackie and I had a conversation with our financial advisor, and we talked about, hey, how do we, how do we do a better job of stewarding our proxy votes? And how do we, how do we do a better job of that? And, and so I was actually kind of leaning in and pushing him a little bit on this. And so uh, I know he's going to be listening to this podcast. And so remember my admonition, we want to start stewarding our proxy votes uh, personally as well, better than we already are. And a lot of that is because we want to have those shared values together. And when we join together in that space, we can influence. And we have a responsibility to use our influence in those ways for God's kingdom. Mm -hmm. So right, so right. Well, thank you so much, uh, Lori, for, you know, kind of going back and reviewing this this episode with with, uh, Luke with me. It was fun. You know, I also mentioned... uh, uh, Tim McCreary and on the podcast and sorry that we didn't give any kind of context with him. Uh, I did mention that we plan to have him on the, on the podcast here in the future. Um, you know, he really just, just to give you a little who he is, um, he, uh, manage, uh, a brother who, who manages, uh, Australian pension plans and, uh, and they actually were the first people to do BRI, as I understand things, biblical responsible investing as it relates to, um, the, uh, investing in the pension plan. He's also, um, he, he's, he's a part of an organization called Bright Light and they're advising a lot of, uh, faith driven kind of groups. And so, really exceptional thinker, leader as it relates to biblical responsible investing. So we are going to have Tim on the on the podcast as well, and you're not going to want to miss that episode. I really look forward to that. What a great, a great example. He stepped forward and invested a pension in biblically responsible investments. That is exciting to hear. There are so many opportunities I can see that that can grow people's options of what they can do. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, thank you for listening on this episode, and we look forward to the next one.